Well, welcome back to Empower with Emma. Today, I have Caroline Foran on. I've been dying to get her in because not only is she an author of three amazing books, she's really vulnerable of, you know, her struggles in life. She opens up about parenthood, postnatal depression of how there can be stigma around that not that she suffered from it but creating awareness as a mother to be like everything isn't a shiny penny especially with anxiety the differences between owning your anxiety and suffering with it knowing you know how to how to actually comfort yourself and about self-compassion how important it is and that's something I've been learning about myself so listen in I've taken away some amazing nuggets of information from our chat and I hope you love it as much as I did This season of Empower With Emma is brought to you by Riley, an Irish female-founded period care brand. Riley delivers eco-friendly products to your door when you need them, made with 100% organic cotton and free from toxins, bleach and other harmful chemicals. Riley products are better for your body and better for our planet. You can use code EMMA30 for an amazing 30% off your first three months. You can head over to www.weareriley.com to subscribe. So today on the pod, I have the amazing Caroline Foran. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. It's so weird where myself and Caroline haven't met. Like, and this is why I love the world of social media and Insta, etc. Because you get to reach out to people and connect. And, you know, just to even come on my pod, it's so amazing because Caroline has wrote three books. We have Owning It. We have your new release, Naked. And then The Confidence Kit. Oh, well done. Someone uh, did their homework. <laughs> You know it, sister. And like, how did your... So I know you're a journalist as well, but where did it come from? So a big thing for me that I want to discuss with you today on the pod is owning your openness, your vulnerability, talking about anxiety, your struggles. How, like, where did that come from that you were like, do you know what, I'm going to write a book because, you know, I need to get this on paper. How did you get to that place? Like, oh, wow, where to start? Um, well, first we of have all, all day. <laughs> thank you for, for asking me on. It's such a, a pleasure to be asked. Oh. It's always so nice to have the chats and I'm all about having like the yeah. really open, vulnerable chats. I think, oh, yeah. like, please don't make me cry. I've cried I every time, about make, three times. I won't make you cry. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I feel like my story is like not that riveting, to be honest. It's very normal and ordinary what happened to me. Um, so, I think I struggled with anxiety all through my childhood and teenage years without ever really understanding it as that or identifying mm. it as anxiety. We didn't really know anything about anxiety then. Nobody spoke about it. I always had issues with my tummy and it was like, oh, she's just a bit sensitive and she just has a, a funny tummy and she just has to, you know, be careful what she eats and stuff. But it was always a symptom of anxiety for me. Um, it was something I, I struggled to manage. Uh, I remember I had cameras up and down and in and out trying to figure out like what was wrong with me. And the whole mm. time through all like through the most crucial formative years in secondary school when everyone was like really you know spreading their wings and I was kind of retreating and really struggling with um, my tummy and the anxiety brought about by that like I was afraid to like leave my house sometimes in case I didn't feel well Mm. Um, it took me so it took me many years to realise actually what's going on here is anxiety and it's a cycle so you're feeling unwell because you're anxious and you're anxious because you're feeling unwell and of Mm. course you're not really going to want to go to a party in case you like have an upset stomach and nobody wants to be in that situation Mm. so it just kind of fed itself um, I kind of came out of it a little bit in my early 20s I guess I got more confident I went to college I had some really good friends um, I just yeah I guess it just kind of eased off a bit I felt like I kind of had a handle on my tummy issues and then when I was in my 
early 20s and I started working, um, I got a job in, in tell me if I'm you know, like rabbiting on here. At no, any no, point. no. This is why you're here. It's, okay. it's storytelling. Okay. It's chats. Um, so I went to work for entertainment.e. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. So everyone, I used to always go on and see what was on the telly. The cinema listings and yeah. the TV listings. Yeah. That's, <laughs> what everyone, yeah, that's what everyone used it for. Um, and I remember seeing this this advertisement in the paper and it like just sort of described this editorial team and all this cool mm. like interviews they're doing with movie stars. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds like something I could do. So I like literally banged on every door until they gave me, they created like an internship type of thing for me, which they'd never done before. And I was like, just let, just let me help in any way I could. Worked my way in there, got a job eventually and worked my way up to become the editor of the whole team um, after a couple wow. of years. And I was maybe 23 or four. Amazing. So I was very ambitious and like, I guess I wanted to prove to myself after all those years of feeling kind of held mm. back, like I'm going to just show my, you know, my tummy, my anxiety, I'm not going to be held back. And I was doing these, you know, amazing, I was flying to London every week interviewing every movie star possible like it was it who was, was your most famous oh, one what the, they were all like <gasps> Justin Timberlake Gwyneth Paltrow wow. Tom Cruise um who else oh my god there was just there was just so many there was just like you could name Jennifer Aniston and you said this is just a normal story go away that. well that, bit, that, that. <laughs> that bit's probably not very normal but I was feeling lots of like fear but a good fear it was like oh my god I'm shitting bricks about this but I'm gonna go and have this chat and yeah. then and it would go, you know, if it went well, I mean, you'd only get five minutes or something. And then this feeling of like elation after. So I was in a really good place of like pushing my comfort zone, but in a in a healthy way. Mm. Um, and I, I was kind of like, I, I was in a really good place for the age that I was at career wise. You know, I, I, it was beyond my wildest dreams and it was such an amazing job. However... I think I kind of made myself think that I have to keep pushing. I have to keep moving. And, you know, mm. we're so afraid, I think, to ever just be content where we mm -hmm. are because we feel yes. like we'll stagnate yeah. or that, you know, we need to be almost suffering or struggling for it to be this badge of honour around work. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm comfortable now. I shouldn't be comfortable. And like, I just wish I had to let myself just enjoy it, you know, and just... It was the time of my life. But then I got offered this other job. Um, it was Love in Dublin as was starting up. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, they approached me and was like, you know, we'd love you to, to become the editor of this site. And to me, it sounded like an amazing opportunity to build something from the ground up. Um, and I, I just was like, oh, I, I, there was a kind of a few red flags. I think my gut instinct. I was about to say, did your gut say something? There was a few red flags where I was like, mm, and a few people said to me, I don't know, Caroline, like, I don't know if you should do this. Um, and I think I, that was my first lesson in learning to trust your gut because mm. I, I knew there was some, like some kind of feelings of mm -mm, this is not right. Mm. And I ignored it. I started the job and there was only like three of us in the company. We, there was no like structure or boundaries. It was very um, startup mode and it just wasn't for me. Mm. And within a matter, after having had a few years of having no issues with my tummy, it all started again. And wow. it was like my, it just got worse and worse. And it was like my body was saying, oh, oh, you should not have made this move. You've made a mistake. And I felt very, I felt very anxious about the future and, you know, the the boss was talking about like where we'll be in five years time and 10 years time. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. And I felt this massive weight of you've, you've left the other job. You're fucking Egypt. You've already been replaced. You walked away from such a good thing because you're trying to prove something to yourself. You pushed yourself too far and now you're suffering. But I couldn't say this out loud. Like I buried it. And that's why it manifested in all these stomach issues. Because what I've learned since is that your body 
is going to tell you. Your body keeps the score. It's going to you communicate with you. You took the words out of my mouth. Oh my God. <laughs> I was about to say the body keeps score. It does. It, it tells you before you even know what's exactly. going on. So it's trying to get your attention and say, mm. this is not right. Something needs to change here. Mm. And if you're, this is why I'm actually grateful for anxiety for the most part, because it's, it's sort of like a compass that points you towards what's important or what you need to pay attention to. Wow. This is my latest kind of idea around anxiety is to kind of change the perspective on it. Yeah. It wanted to get my attention to say, this does not align with your values. This is not right for you. Mm. This is not where you need to be in your life right now. But because of social pressure, financial pressure, you know, the fear of vulnerability or saying, I actually just couldn't cope. Like, I just wouldn't say that. I was not going to say to all my friends or my family, I'm actually not able for this. Like, this is just too much for me because I... In my eyes, like they were handling so much stress and people were, you know, nurses and doctors saving lives. And here I am working on a little fucking stupid website. Like I need to get a grip. So I had all this language towards myself of like, you need to just get on with it. And I just pushed it down and down and down. And of course, like it just got worse and worse. And within a matter of weeks, I was like doubled over in pain. I was so severely unwell. Um, I I went to doctors and again, even at that stage, the doctors. So how old were you then? I was 24, 25, no, yeah, 25. Yeah. And from everyone I've interviewed about their anxiety for my podcast, it seems to be a crucial age where you're kind of becoming an adult that it yeah. can really rear its head for a lot of people at that age. Um, so for me, just the shit hit the fan. And um, I I mean, even going to doctors at the time, they were like, oh, it must be something you're eating, you know. Intolerance uh, exactly. is the usual, and like, yeah. There was no, mm. nobody ever drew the correlation between you've started this new job. Is there something else going on here? And for me, I was like, I can't really deny the, it it can't be a coincidence. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That like in the same two week period, I moved out of my family home in with my boyfriend, which was a good thing, but it was a big change. Like I'd always lived at home and given how, you know, anxious I was and how with my tummy, how I, to be away from my home was a big deal for me. And then I started this new job. Um, Like all of that happened at the same time. And because I wasn't willing to admit to myself that I'd made a mistake, my body was like cranking it up a notch, being like, we are not going to stop until you Mm. basically break down and pay attention. And what started as tummy issues got worse and worse until it just sort of turned into full-blown anxiety and I started to suffer really severe panic attacks. I I remember one, the day that it all really hit home for me, um, I remember being on the phone to my mom and you know the way your mom would be like, you're grand, you're grand. She was like, I don't like the way you sound right now. And I remember I was getting, I was on my way into work and I got off at the wrong bus stop or something. Like I got lost in Dublin where I live, which I've been in my whole life. Like I got disoriented. I didn't know where I was. Mm. I felt really suddenly threatened by like all the noise and busyness. And I just felt so, I felt turned inside out. Like I felt so vulnerable and raw and Mm. at risk because my my fight or flight mode had been just triggered and and had stayed triggered for so long that now it was just permanently on. Like it was in complete protection mode and everything was perceived as a a threat to my mind and body. Um, And I remember I was trying to put my mascara on and I physically couldn't get it on me because my hand was shaking so much. And these are all things that, you know, wouldn't happen to me now with the awareness that I have because I would check in with myself so much sooner and be like, something's not right here. Let's actually pay attention to that. Mm. But because I had no understanding then, I didn't know what anxiety was. I didn't know what was happening to me. I was really terrified. I was like, so something is really wrong with me. Mm. And the biggest fear above all else, it wasn't that someone was going to say, oh, you've got this condition or you've got this, you know, disease or whatever. It was like, what if it's just that you're not able to cope and you're falling apart and you're like losing your mind? Because 
Yeah. That was the scariest thing. I didn't These want... These are the thoughts that are coming yeah, in your head. Yeah, I didn't want that to happen. And I yeah. didn't know how to get myself mm. back. Um, and also, you know, I thought just, okay, eventually when everyone kind of realised I wasn't okay, like just, right, leave the job. Like, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll support you. I went on illness benefit. I did what I had to do to... Because yeah. I couldn't leave my house for weeks. I got so bad. But I thought that leaving the job would make it all go away. But this is the thing, like at that point my body had built up so much anxiety and stress that it wasn't, you couldn't just switch it off. It was going to take a long time to unravel all of that and understand it and work myself back into feeling okay. And that wasn't going to happen until I understood it and until I was willing to like own it and accept it, which I didn't want to do. Yeah. And that's, I think, a thing that a lot of people, even myself, is owning your truth, owning that like, it's not necessarily putting a label on ourselves, but it kind of is. You're going, oh, I actually do have anxiety. I need to work on this. What is this? And unraveling and self-discovery. So how did you start owning it? How did you start unraveling going, yeah. this is anxiety? Where did, where was the rock bottom moment for you of, right, I need to really do something about so this So this was 2014 and yeah. that might not seem that long ago, but it was a different world. Like all of this talk about vulnerability and owning our truth, that is new. Like that yeah, is- totally like, it is. I was on my own yeah. as far as I was concerned. When you went on social media at the time, you only saw people in Bali in bikinis with no cellulite. You didn't see any- Or a night out on Facebook exactly. having a few drinks. You would never, yeah, nobody yeah. ever shared. Of course, it was like- a curation of the best bits yeah. and that's what it was designed to be. Mm. So no one was going to go on and say, I'm having a fucking terrible time. Mm -hmm. But for me, I got so bad and I retreated completely from social media. Like I um, obviously put any kind of career stuff on hold. I went back to basics of just like, I need to try and get through the day. Um, for me, I had no other choice but to eventually, I guess, own it or share my truth because I, it, for me, it was a coping mechanism to be like, hey, is anyone else feeling yeah. like this? Is it just me? I so desperately needed the reassurance of knowing I wasn't alone and that I wasn't, you know, written off and like, mm. you know, other people had felt it because as far as I was concerned, everyone was fine except me and everyone was looking at me like I had two heads. I remember even being in the GP and they honestly looked at me like I was insane for describing how I was feeling and all of that made me feel so much worse. I did get to a point um, where... I was diagnosed with depression at the time because I was so low about mm. how anxious I was feeling. I was just living my life from one panic attack to the next. And I mean, even going to the shop to buy milk was a big deal for me. And yeah. my boyfriend, you know, he was working, so he would be out at work all day. And I was in, alone in, in the apartment and I would sit down with a pen and paper and I was trying to like write letters to myself as if it was some part of myself that was trying to reassure the scared part of me that like I'd be okay. And I, I mean, I don't know. I was just doing whatever I I felt like I could do to just survive. survive. And, mm. and I remember having reaching this point of thinking, obviously, because I was feeling very low and depressed as a symptom of the anxiety. I was like, worst case scenario, you can opt out of all this. Yeah. And I really did hit that point of thinking you know, I'm now like such a, I'm, everyone is worried about me. I'm such a burden for everyone. It would like, I don't want to live. I don't want to be here if this is what my life is going to be. Like wow. if, if I'm not going to get better, this is not a life I want to be around for. So mm. I hit that rock bottom mm. and it was really the people around me. Like it was my boyfriend, my mom, uh, in particular, though, those two who scooped me literally scooped me up off the floor many a time and we're like we're going to figure this out together we're going to pursue every avenue um I remember when my boyfriend now my husband used that language 
how significant that was for me to feel less alone. He wasn't like, you'll figure it out. Like he said, we, mm. and I was like, he, we just moved in together. This is not what he signed up for. Mm. I felt, so what started as anxiety about a job became anxiety about my relationship. Like yeah. how, like this. It snowballed. Yeah, it snowballed. How yeah. would this affect him? <clears throat> my family, they just got rid of me. They wanted to see me spread my wings. Mm. And suddenly I'm like, I was back sometimes sleeping in bed with my mom because I was so scared of being alone and feeling mm. so unsafe. Like I just, it sounds even I, it's not often I actually go into describing it these days I guess I feel like I does it bring you back to a place in your chest of of you know when you go back into your memory bank yeah. and you go whoa it doesn't it I guess it, it makes me realize like how significantly tough it was at the time and I guess once you come through something it's easier to just put a label on it or a box on it and be like oh that was that and I'm fine now and kind of diminish mm. it um but I I remember sharing a specific Facebook post at the time I wasn't don't think Instagram was even a thing no no it wasn't wasn't it not yeah and I think I shared mm-hmm. if I was me like in my jammies or something and I had like had an okay day or something and I, I, I came on and I just I guess it was this weak moment that was actually a strong moment mm. you know where it was I felt intensely weak but I was like I'm gonna be the strongest I've ever been now and be mm. like I put up a post saying you know um, I haven't been on and this is what I've been going through and I've really realised that like the most important thing is is your health and um, I've, you know, had my health really compromised, my mental health and we don't often hear about this. It was very basic, like it wasn't you know, anything, you know, profound. And slowly but surely, and this was just Facebook, people who I had gone to school with or people who I hadn't connected with in years, like even lads who I went to school with who I thought were like cock of the walk, like so, you know, yeah. confident, wouldn't, like just you would think that they had never had a worry they were like messaging me being like I've really struggled with this myself like Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you've said that and slowly but surely I saw the effect of being open and that like release a little valve of pressure for me Mm. to be like okay you know I guess I just for me like I got reassurance and I got validation and I got gratification from sharing in that way and that then when I was when I was ready to kind of work again, I went back into Image magazine and oh, I, yeah. I said to them at the time, I said, look, I've not been well and like, I don't want to be front and centre cartwheeling. You know, I'm, I I just, like, I'm capable of doing my job. But like, I, I just, I knew I couldn't go in and say, I'm Grant, I'm great, I'll do whatever. I had to say, I'm struggling with my mental health. And they were like, that's okay. And they, I kind of recovered in there to some extent. Mm. Um and I was writing, I, you know, I was saying, look, I've been, you know, I'm in the middle of going through this and I feel like there's so much bullshit out there. And yeah. of course, like in, in the lowest moments, I'd be Googling, like, what does this symptom mean? Or like, how can I get rid of this anxiety? And my understanding of anxiety was so, my perception of it was so wrong. And this mm. idea of like, how do I cure it? And everything I read preyed on that vulnerability and said like, oh, put in your bank details here and, you know, you'll unlock the answer. And here I am and look at me and I'm now I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm a motivational speaker <clears throat> and I, I used to have panic attacks every day and I haven't in 30 years and here's my secret. And I would fall for all of those things and I would go down these rabbit holes and I would try these things and they wouldn't work because that is not how it works. That is not how stress and anxiety works. No. It is not like a virus that you can just get over. And it's, you can just switch on, You switch don't switch off. on, switch off. Yeah. It's, it takes understanding is above all the things that you can do for your anxiety all the you know solutions you can throw at it the most important thing is understanding what it is why it's happening why it's happening for you right now in your life awareness and I had none of that Mm. but then I started to write articles when I was in image and I just was feeling it out I guess and I got a really good reaction from those and I wrote articles in image magazine and online and it was like really practical ways to identify anxiety and I guess 
part of, it was part of my trying to understand it better, like help myself explore, yeah. speak to different experts. And then that kind of became content that I was able to share with others. Was it like your therapy as well? It was my yeah. therapy, like alongside my actual therapy. Yeah. So like, but it was so good to actually write it on paper and then seeing the validation. Yeah. It was like a, a, an open loop really that exactly. you were like, yeah. you were kind of starting to, a healing process nearly? Absolutely. I mean, being that open and vulnerable, like people say like, God, how could you be so vulnerable? That, mm. I don't know how else to be. Like that was my saving. That was my yeah. coping mechanism was to be <gasps> vulnerable. And the thing that we fear most is being vulnerable. And yeah. it's the thing that we all have in common. And it just doesn't make any sense to me that, you know, actually owning your vulnerability, it sounds so fucking Oprah, but like it's your greatest strength. It really is. Like being, for me to get to the point to say, yeah, I, I've struggled with anxiety or I'm like these days, I just, I mean, I don't really struggle to the, ex- I don't to the extent that I did. I'm very, very well these days, but I would have no problem being like, oh yeah, I had an anxious day. The same way you'd say, yeah, I had a sandwich today. It doesn't have to be like, yeah. oh my God, what's wrong with her? And the more we normalize it, the, the smaller the anxiety gets, or at least that top layer of anxiety that's all wrapped up in how we perceive others or how we fear will be perceived, that all kind of dissolved for me. Mm. Um, then when I went freelance after a while in Image when I had the confidence back again and uh, I wrote an article for the Irish Times and I wrote a very practical, okay, if you're feeling anxious, start here. Go So like start here, go to your GP, get, yeah. get your bloods done, rule out other things because for example, it could be like a thyroid issue that can manifest as anxiety. Oh, I got it's, all this checked. Yeah. Like what you're saying is literally like a mirror. I, I yeah. tell you my story, you'll be like, and you know what? I'm, I, I'm so sorry that you went through it, but I'm so you wouldn't be reassured that I'm not alone in that. Oh, um, you're not. And it makes me sad that so many all. girls at our age at that time would have struggled. And it's just it's a really like female issue. Is like yeah. it, it seems to be more skewed towards women. Um, and that doesn't mean to say men don't struggle as well. No, but no. when I wrote this article for the Irish Times, um, and it was a very practical like start here and then maybe consider this and, you know, before you just, there's such a tendency to be like, oh, I'm anxious, just slap a yoga class on the end of my really stressful day and yes. hope it'll go away. No, yes. that's not going to work. You need to look, go to the root of it. Um, and a publisher saw this and said this could really be something. And then I thought they had like the wrong email address. So I was like, sorry, what? And then I wrote owning it, the book, the first book. And then that came out and at that point like I didn't have really an audience so I, I was like I don't know if this is going to be relevant to people it was just kind of a few people who said oh like I mm. relate it came out and it went to number one and it stayed there for 16 weeks I was about to say that which is like it, for such a niche kind of topic as well and for non-fiction was so unheard of Wow! and it just showed me how much how many people were struggling and obviously it was it was great that you know, a resource was created that people benefited from, but it really indicated like a bigger problem that we're all, you know, mm. collectively s- struggling to such an extent. Mm. Um, and then because that did well, then I wrote my second one, which was more a case of, okay, now I've written this book and everyone's asking me to come and give these bloody talks to offices. And I'm like, did you not read the part where I said I have anxiety? Like, why would I want to do this? So I had to go. I, I went from this uh this quote mm. that I found from a, a motivational speaker, he's an old man called Zig Ziglar. And he kind of said in life, you go from survival to stability, stability to success, success to significance. And I'm not a significant part yet, but I went from sur- stability. <laughs> I went from survival to stability in owning it. That yeah. like I was just, mm-hmm. I was, my head was below water. I had to get it above water. Now that I was above water and I was functioning again in society and I was able to go to the shop and not have a, have a panic attack. And mm. I was able to like go out with my friends and even go away with travel, which was the big deal. Now I was, I was like, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive a little bit as well. I want to 
enjoy my life. So then the, the second book, The Confidence Kit, was like, okay, well, how do I build myself from this point? And that was wow. mm. um, stability to success or thriving or whatever. Um, and then my third book, Naked, which is, I shouldn't have named it that because I don't think people really got it, but it was really about... You're stripping yourself bare. Thank you. Yay. Still. That's how I get the... Still not a lot of people got it else that it came I out. seen it because you have the bra on it. Which I hated. <laughs> but still. The cover was terrible. I did not pick that cover. Because it's a different name in America. So, no. So the first two books came out in America. The yeah. third one hasn't come out in America. It's going to be called something else, isn't it though? I was is having it? a look. Yeah. Like your, yours is like naked, 10 truths about changing your life. And then, some, and then something else that's like changing your life or something I was like your what? superpower or something. Yeah, yeah yeah that's yeah. it yeah. I don't I mean they don't tell me about these things I don't know where they're coming out or what there you um, go I'm telling Caroline <laughs> thanks for that <laughs> um, but the third one is really I was like okay <clears throat> actually I know that it was kind of mm. the, the power of vulnerability and different truths that I've come across that actually hold you back in life um, mm. and that, actually that's the book I'm most proud of but because it came out in the pandemic when there was no shops open I couldn't do a launch it just kind of really dissolved you, into the ether <laughs> But you should be pushing that now. Like, why not? Like, I actually find that, like, I haven't read your third one now, but that's one I'm definitely really drawn to. I'll because send you one. Thanks, you know just, But I'll go on Amazon and I just hate, buy it. No, I, the reason I haven't, to be honest, is because, like, I really dislike the cover and I feel like it's so important to, like, like the artwork when it's going to sit beside I'm your bed. I'm real like that. I, and I know people say don't judge a book by its cover. Everyone but does, I love, But I love your other books because they're so, like, the colour, it's punchy, it's nearly, like, funky wall art. Yeah. You know, that way it's cool. It's well, eye-catching. The whole point is always, like, they have to, like, basically jump off the shelf and attack you. It does. It does, though, for <laughs> me. Like, this, even, like, the umbrella. It's like, oh, my God. I like that because that was, like, look, the rain is still going to come, but we have our tools and resources. And I always say, after... After the rain comes the rainbow. And it's true. Yeah. It does. Like, yeah. you know, that way, because when you think of like darkness, there's always light, there's the sun, but then there's the moon, Yeah, you know, and all that. And oh, like rain comes sunshine. Absolutely. And it's the darkest hours mm. before the dawn. And um, no, it is. And like, so Naked, the third book kind of brought in things that I really didn't, hadn't considered when I wrote Owning It. Like, for example, only my, my most recent learning and the most important tool for me is self-compassion. Yes. And I didn't, and I interviewed this amazing woman called Dr. Kristen Neff and she was the first person to like, um, what's it, to, she like pr- defined it properly in a scientific way about compassion. She measured it um, scientifically mm. and she looked at the, the actual impacts on the body of self-compassion and all that time that I was being so hard on myself and being like, oh, just get a grip and you need to be stronger and like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. People are way, are way worse off mm. than you. Like, you know, who do you think you are? All of that self-criticism we think will motivate us into where we need to be and actually what it does is it so if you think that being self-critical is going to help your anxiety you're literally just putting the gas down even further it perpetuates the um, stress response it produces more cortisol in the body like they measured this whereas self-compassion where you can say okay like I'm feeling anxious today okay that's okay how can I help myself in this moment what would make me feel a little bit more grounded what would support me better in this moment that literally turns off the cortisol and it brings in the more calming, soothing hormones and neurotransmitters like serotonin and things like that. Mm. It actually, it breaks the loop. And it's not, so it's not just for me, like I'm not like a really spiritual person. I'm not, I don't, I don't really do like manifestation or like, Mm. you know, chakras and stuff. I, for me, it's like what's actually happening in my body at a physical level and that's when I'll pay attention so if it is actually reducing those stress hormones then that's something to like build a practice with because over time 
you're going to keep your anxiety at a manageable level. So that's something I didn't know when I did owning it. And I was still, and I still struggle with being very, very, very harsh on myself. And that's probably one of the most significant things you can do for yourself is to meet yourself where you're at. And it's not about being self-indulgent, but I guess being like, okay, I can't help that I got anxious. I I can't undo how I ended up here. I, I, I wasn't born a different person who never felt anxiety. This is me. I'm a sensitive person. I feel things greatly, good mm. things as well as bad things. Yeah. You know, I'm very emotional. Um, This is who I am. So I either I'm going to make it work for me instead of making it work against me because yeah. I don't have any other choice. Yeah, I can totally resonate with all good. Of this. Like glad. it's so weird. So I would have said I would have t- tapped into this a bit on my other pods mm-hmm. as well because I love sharing my story as well. So I suffered with stomach, still do. I'll, I'll, yeah. And um, it has got to do with emotions. It's got to do with your trauma, your triggers, what you've been through. And I would have been the same mid twenties. And um, I, I was in Australia, and I I went for tests. I went for. Um, I constantly had that like feeling in my stomach and I didn't know I was addicted to stress only until I'd say about two or three years ago, especially when COVID hit. I was like, I am actually addicted to stress, that feeling, that go, that the go, buzz. that buzz. And um, I got really sick with my stomach and I got tests done, everything. Nothing came back. Then I came back from Australia. I got my um went back into work and the pains in my stomach were excruciating. I thought my stomach was going to burst. Had to go to the D doc. I had like really bad stomach ulcers. I couldn't eat. I could barely oh, breathe. And I had to really watch my diet. But I know what that was, you know, spicy foods, fizzy drinks, and all that's that definitely as well. part of it. Like I think one hundred percent people kind of I know a dietitian I worked with say yeah. like be, you know be careful not to just say like oh all tummy issues are stress because that's not no, the case. No, so like no. I found it that I was lactose intolerant yeah. and that that I was gluten intolerant then. And if you can solve some of that, then yeah. that's going to lift some of the anxiety as well. So oh. I think it's important to address both sides. So a lot, like a lot of us have you know sensitivities or yeah. intolerances or you know even fodmaps things like. And food has changed so much over the years, like yeah. as well. So when I got that done, I was like, oh my god! So I had to like I I have. To to be careful with my gluten and stuff but sometimes I'm like right give me this sour yeah and you'll just deal with the yeah, pain you, with it. because you know what it is yeah and why it is and it's so funny then because why what you're saying was the stomach issues and it's about not the, the like it's tapping into your body so for me I always thought exactly what you were saying as well I have to be doing this I have to be doing this I have to be thriving this isn't good enough okay I'm if I'm doing this I need to do this 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 on top of my job as well because your side hustle and yeah I, and just keep going but it was actually people were like what the heck is going on but I I was running away from my head but I knew I was my stomach was constantly in bits it was going to catch up with and you. it was going to catch up and it did and now I I found a balance where I'm not just constantly being like have to go through the gym have to do this this and this I stop and I go what's going to serve me today that's such a good question what's going to help me today so every morning I don't like sometimes I listen to podcasts but I do a mindful walk every morning with no music no podcast just out and no phone no phone no my phone's in in my bag I'm not scrolling I'm out I'm listening to the birds I close my eyes I feel the breeze I come home I might journal or just be mindful and I don't be scrolling. I don't get up and I don't check my phone first thing. I do not do That's, that. I mean, I wish I had that strength because I, and I mean, I scroll before I even say hello to my husband no, in the bed no, beside no, no, no. me. It's I so don't. I make sure being like, no, no, the first hour you get up is precious to you. And I try my best. I'm not going to say I do it every day. I try my best to do it. Like even 
like today I think I, I uploaded something but I haven't checked I haven't scrolled yeah. I got up I went for a walk along the coast had my coffee I was like I'm gonna come in here now and it just I know that serves me so much better where when I got up and I activate myself when I was in that fast pace and mm-hmm. um, I was up check the phone do this do this I didn't even have a minute to ease myself into the world I was like boom stress let's go and I just was on that wheel where I didn't know that it was my stomach so now obviously I take supplements I take Simprove and it's amazing for your tummy I've really like that's helped me a lot but your diet stress you know meditation just being alone and and just breathing like and like we hold our breath through the day so much I notice sometimes when I'm stressed and the weird thing right you know the way you were saying your your stomach can come with stress I was like that but then when my stomach start and I know when I get little cramps it's my body saying hold on there's something going on here pay attention to me but it's so weird where my body started doing something else so go a few years ago I was I was sick had a really bad cold or flu it's about five six years ago and I started to get tinnitus in my ears oh. ringing and my mom was like geez Sam that's like you know something um she's like can you go to the doctor and I, I was nearly crying I was like make it go away make it go away so then that stopped then um I was buying a uh, buying the house that I just sold started the year I was like I was buying that it came back again I was mm. like what's going on here then the breakup happened and then I, and I was like this is my body saying you are, your whole body is in survival mode, is in stress mode. So that lasted about eight months and then it came back again at the start of the year for about a month. But I was trying my best to meditate, be, you know, in the moment. But, you know, there's only so much you can handle stress. But sometimes your body's just like, you're just going through this right now. But when you go through that, you will come out. But now I'm delighted. My stomach issues have totally, like, I, I've, i you know, they're very at bay now. And the tinnitus isn't here. And yeah. it's just, it's so funny in that you say the body keeps score. It's your body saying, hey, hey, some going on here. Yeah. And I think it's so important, like what you said there, you know, about the stress being kind of, it, it is part and parcel with life. And there are going to be times where it's, mm. you know, if you're selling a house, it's one of the most stressful things you can go through. Having a breakup is one of the most stressful things. It's about, it's not about avoiding stress or like doing everything every day so that you never feel stressed. You're going to. And if we get, if we live in fear of stress and anxiety, we're going to welcome it sooner. It's about pulling in and pulling out of it. So like yeah. knowing, all right, this week is going to be busy. I've got a little bit more on than I would maybe like to have on. Letting that happen putting the scaffolding around yourself as much as you can whether that's Mm. your walk in the morning or you know more water or something and when you're feeling that stress to be like it's okay that I'm feeling this because what matters more than the presence of stress in your body or anxiety is your perception of it this incredible study done by this uh, Dr. Kelly McGonigal she's um, a big amazing Stanford researcher she did a TED talk as well and um, this study she referenced where they looked at everyone who had like significant stress in their life. Mm. Uh, and the way, I don't know how to explain this properly now, but the, what 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 ended up coming out of it was that the people who had significant stress in their life but perceived it to be, you know, okay, it's like that's just part of life, it's normal. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, this is just the way it is. But they were less likely to die than the people who had no stress in their lives at all. Oh. And But the people who had stress in their lives and thought that it was the worst thing ever were like the most likely to die and the most anxious. So mm. stress is unavoidable in some parts, but your perception of it matters. It's not that you need to go seeking out stress, but if you're going to have a, a bit of stress and anxiety in your life, it, the point is you don't want to live in fear of it because it's going to come at times and it's about recognising it and then doing what you can to bring it back to zero. Yeah, And that so that matters more. So like where where I feel like my work now in, in 
my writing and podcast is to work on people's perception of it. Mm. I also think what's really important is um, the whole idea of self-care. I have some issues with it. Uh, I think it's just become so commoditized and we we just like it's sexy and it looks good on Instagram and it's matcha lattes and, you know, acai bowls, whatever the fuck they're called. And we're... <laughs> We we end up sub- self care is roaring crying or sitting there with a journal or fucking being like or going to the dark place. I know we end up subscribing to this yeah. you know, romantic idea of self care, which ticks boxes, and then it becomes <clears throat> another measure of our self worth. Like, how well am I being? Am I getting in and having a cold Wim Hof shower? Am I getting into the sea? Like we start to feel like I need to be doing all those things that everyone else is doing or else I won't be well. Oh my and god, then it becomes this is a stressor. So, this so, is so weird. You're saying this because. Only now I'm accepting what I'm doing. I'm I'm owning it, as you'd say, because I struggled and I'd still struggle that I have to be getting up, journal, meditate it into the sea, how well I'm being, and you're measuring your success off exactly. that. But it's it's not about that. It's about... Well, the you, word self. Bring yes, it back to you. Bring it back. What do you want? What serves you? Sometimes not, that's me lying on the couch watching Real Housewives. Exactly. It's not what I should. And especially one thing I learned through mindfulness is um, there's a woman called Loretta... LaRoche she's amazing she's like a motivational speaker she's a proper New Yorker she's mm. brilliant she was like stop shutting on yourself I should I should like you're labelling yourself like when you're doing it you're doing it like you know like I know someone would look at me and be like oh look at her she's doing her sea swim she's mm-hmm. doing this but yeah I love a glass of wine and I, I do other like, if you it, love going for a sea swim yeah that's it but it's more like you putting, don't have to do it all trying to fit yourself into boxes that yes. like tick the self care box when like then we're in a very dangerous position where what meant was meant as the antidote becomes part of the problem. Yes. And it's another spinning plate, another thing, oh Jesus, I didn't do this today, I didn't. Like, that's not what wellness is meant to be. Yeah. And I think we can lose sight of that and then it can become more fuel for anxiety. So for me, I really, you know, like I'm I'm not great at a lot of the things that I think mm. I started out thinking that I should be doing and I was like do you know what they're just not for me like it's just I'm not into it you know I know the things that work for me are when I do feel anxiety rising up it's kind of pulling back a little bit um clearing some of the calendar having a lot of time alone I really enjoy like oh, I'm yeah. like watching like a cheesy rom-com and just yeah I, what was I watching the other day I think it was like he's just not that into you yeah perfect that's exactly what I do I just chill out watch yeah. that yeah it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as it's safe and legal yeah. obviously as long if if it helps to relax your body and bring down your cortisol and, and calm the stress response then the more activities that you do that do that will in time help you get to that place quicker when you need to or yeah. reduce your kind of basal level of stress all the time. So for someone on Instagram, it might seem like, you know, it could be gardening or it could be cold ice baths or whatever. It doesn't, the, the way you do it doesn't matter as long as it's having the relaxing impact. It's the same way, yes. like for me, acupuncture, I really enjoyed. Don't necessarily agree with all the signs of it, but I the actual experience of having acupuncture relaxed me. And if that helped me get into a state of feeling calm, then that was going to be beneficial to my anxiety. Yeah. And for someone else, it might be like a massage for some, you know, so it's, it's just the effect it has on your body and those stress hormones, like bringing it right down to those things. That's what matters. And then if you can enjoy it, then it's going to obviously help yeah. as well. Yeah, that's a really powerful, powerful thing to say. And I'll definitely resonate with that because you get so caught up what you should be doing or, or like, you know, if I do this, this and this, this will make me feel a lot better. But but actually, is it though? So for me, I haven't been to the gym about, well, about four weeks. Normally I'd go. And this week, because I'm, I'm still getting over COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is that really going to serve me? Am I really going to feel better? 
no, am I really in the mood? No. So yeah. why am I trying to force myself to do something that I think I'll, I'll be, ah, yeah, like I'll be thankful of doing it, but I'd be more thankful of going for that walk, feeling good, feeling the breeze, you know, maybe having some alone time reading my book like I you know going to meditate or having a coffee on my own like these are the things that really bring me joy so it's finding that little pocket yeah of joy going what gives me that little flow state you're going into a flow state basically and you're just saying you're not thinking of anything you're just totally switching off and when you switch off it's like you're just you're going from that little the scale of feeling anxious and you're just putting a little blank and you're like, yeah. oh, you're okay. You're feeling okay. And for me, like the, the thing I'm having the most difficulty with at the moment is it's the phone and social media and yes. we both work in that space and yeah. I feel like a little bit like I'm in an abusive relationship with social media <laughs> because I have <sighs> to be honest because it is how I market, you know, any of my books or anything. Also, like we both make money from collaborations and yeah. it's, it's great, but also you have to be on it then and I have to be on sharing my life and while I do enjoy it the the way they're designed you know yes you can say and I'm so impressed that you are able to put the phone away in the morning but it's designed to make you keep scrolling and clicking into more and, and it is designed in a kind of insidious way you know a sinister way to make you just wanting to keep buying things and thinking that if oh if I do this I'll, my, I'll be happier mm. my life will be better or you know even like they say like mute people who make you don't feel good they'll still throw up other things suggested posts to you and it's this constant like barrage of, you know, how your house could look better, your fucking bathroom shelf could look better, outfits that keeping up with the trends and all of that to me is just so much pressure that I can't seem to step away from. Um, and then I also, I, I mean, I find self-comparison for me is a huge source mm. of anxiety and I can't seem to, I'm, I'm trying to work on turning that off Um it's something I explored in my first book where you bring yourself back to temporal comparison. So instead of measuring yourself against other people, you measure yourself against a time yourself in the past or future. So for, if I measure myself now against where I, I was. I literally write this down. Yeah. Temporal. This temporal. is really good. So it's more like time-based comparison with yourself. So if so I look. Is a self-reflection? Or no. like this year versus like well, how many kind years ago? Of, yeah. Temporal. So it's it's a psychological. Um, Writing this down. Sort of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just it's just uh, an alternative to social comparison, which we've always done and we always will yes. do. And it's so if I was to look at myself, okay, I could go on Instagram now and be like, I don't look like that. I don't. Oh shit, I'm not pushing myself enough. I'm not. I don't have enough opportunities. Like I should be doing more to sell my book. I should be creating extra. I content. get that all you the know, time. All <laughs> and okay, that's one thing. But if I look at myself now versus where I was in 2014, I am fucking killing it. Yeah. Like I would be so proud of myself. So I'm never going to be the other person. If I, so if you can, or where do I want to be this time next year? That is the lane that you need to focus on. But that's easier said than done because Mm. it's not going to, I mean, I can say that all I want. Temporal comparison does not happen if I'm scrolling and I'm just getting person, another person, another person. And I I would love to not be on it. And honestly, my end goal is to like not have to be on social media if I could just win the lottery. Yeah. So fingers crossed. Just get that manifest going. Visualization. Put up on the vision board Euro millions. Or maybe give Dolores a shout and see if if she's got any Euro millions left over for you. I know. That'd be nice. The dream. Yeah. The dream. I'm telling you. But that's so funny you say the temporal comparison because that's something I'd feel this year has been a big. Uh, shift you know like healing everything like that but more going into myself and assessing you know the way I show up the way I react um self-comparison all that and I do find I I am on social media exactly like yourself I do like show my life but uh, but but it can get in on you it can really like because you look your Instagram is like a highlight reel 
And I will come on like yourself being like, here, I had a shit day today. Um, and or, then you're accused, oh, she's so negative. Or no, 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 I actually don't. I'm very lucky I don't. Well done. And I don't because I don't, um, I, I, I back it up with my pod. Do you yeah. know that way? If you, if you really want to know me and Emmett, then invest in the likes, like listen to my pod. It's yeah. not about Instagram, it's just a shiny penny, do you know? Yeah, And right. that's it. Like I, I share my proper story and my background through the pod. And... Even saying that as well about your temporal comparison, you would see other people going, oh my God, look at her. She has a business. She has this. Her skin's amazing. Oh my God, she lost weight. I should be doing this. She does it all with three kids. She does it all. <laughs> oh my God, how can she do it? She's always switched on. I've never seen her with a bad day. And I'm like, what the heck? But then I was like, number one, that's them. That's not me. Number two, exactly what you said. I try to go into that reflective, that uh, I didn't know the name for it, a temporal comparison going, look at what I did this time last year. I actually check myself and go, do you know what? I'm going to flick back through my journal or Jesus, look, what was I doing last year? This time last year, I was trying to sell a house and I was surviving. Yeah. You know, that way and having to talk to my ex and do all that shit. That's so stressful. Do you know that way? Like, and I wasn't talking to him. So now I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, I can, you know, breathe again. Like I can just, you know, do me. I have my pod. I'm after doing this. And it is like, it's not necessarily like cockiness. It's, it's that bit of confidence within yourself. Do you know that way? Well, your wellness is like your greatest measure of success. I think like it's the the third. People don't really recognize that. I don't think, I think people think that you have, and it's something I've really, like I sat back and I, I, um, looked at this last week they measure it on materialistic things as well. Now, I yeah. know we all like having nice things. You only buy thing, one thing a month. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw your new balance. <laughs> I am dying for January. <laughs> Gonna go nuts. I know I'm not. Um, but yeah, we're so but focused yeah. on the kind of, the traditional me- markers of success would be like, you know, money, um, career success, you know, outward exactly. success. Yeah. And now I've, I'm, I'm glad thankful to the wellness industry has brought Mm. it into sharp focus that how we feel and how well we are is the most important thing and what I think is happening there is like an awakening of really realising what your values are so earlier when I said to you like I now see anxiety as a bit of a compass and I was thinking about Mm. this the other day and this is kind of ideas that I'm working on. I feel like this is like a fourth book coming. Well exactly yeah (laughs) so I was like you know for me anxiety is always it's coming along to point you in the direction of something which is important or something that needs your focus or something that you, you've been neglecting or need to pay attention to or like in a protective way so it's like right if anxiety is the compass what's it trying to point you towards mm. and in various conversations I've had with experts including like behavioral neuroscientists the antidote to a lot of what we experience like when it comes to collective you know the the basal level of anxiety that's just there for all of us that we don't even question it's bringing yourself back to your values so for mm. me your values become like your north star and yes. your anxiety is your compass and so in that sense then anxiety is not something to fear it's something to instead of worrying what anxiety says about you ask what is anxiety saying to you yeah, I love And then, that. so for example, when I'm scrolling on social media and I'm like, oh, like I don't look like that and I shouldn't be, my, I, I, I could be doing so much more and I don't have the, you know, the company and the, you know, all this different stuff. I'm like, okay, that's anxiety. It's pointing you towards your values. What are your values? Well, my value, one of my main values are to like not feel like I can't burn myself out. It's not worth, no amount of money is mm. worth it to me after what I've been through with my health. So it's not actually a value of mine to become a CEO because I don't want to compromise my my mental health and, and the work involved to get there. So I'm quite happy at the level that I'm at where I'm ticking along and I'm picking projects. I'm very fortunate to be able to pick projects that suit me, but I will always like have that scaffolding around my well-being and nothing's going to affect that. So actually, then I don't need to compare myself to that person because 
that's not a value of mine. Mm. Or another value, like my values, when you, when you actually explore them and write them down, like they're nothing to do with this outward world we're so focused on. Like my, you know, yes. my values are um, that my, my son as well and that we spend time together. Okay, well then I don't need to worry about, you know, feeling like, for example, feeling pressure that I should already have had my second kid or something like that because mm. that's not like, so it's, if you think of anxiety as the compass and your values as your north star, they, they will keep they will keep bringing mm, you back so on good. track. I'm writing this down. Now. Then you won't go too far astray, and if you do, your your values can bring you back. And um, so, in my latest book, I do have um, I do have a chapter on how to kind of identify your values and and like it's not about. I know we get caught up in thinking all the things we should be doing, like you say that word should. Um, but how do you want to spend your time now? Not how you want to spend it in the future or, you know, at the... At Living the, in the present moment. Yeah, at the cost of, mm. at what cost, if I say you want to be a millionaire, at what, what does that cost you right now? Um, mm. How do I want to spend my time right now? That's getting your values. Um, and it's about your lifestyle now that, that matters um, and choosing that now and, and putting in place what helps support that and get you to that point now as opposed to you know, driving yourself into the ground for some goal in 10 years that by the time you get there, you'll have moved on. To, the goalposts will have shift again, shifted again. So that's kind of my, 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 uh, the frame, the psychological framework I'm applying to anxiety at the moment that helps me be grateful for it in a way, understand mm. it better. Obviously, like I've done so much work to understand anxiety and I think that's so important. And in the, in the first book, I lay out this assess and address approach, which I, and I'm not a doctor, like it's just gleamed from the different experts that I've spoken with and from my own experience. So we so quickly rush to address anxiety and just, you know, like throw a band-aid yeah. on it. <clears throat> band-aid, my American plaster. <laughs> um, but we need to assess it first. So like the assess part is, okay, what what actually is anxiety? Let's like understand that. Peel back the layers. What's going on? What happens when we feel anxiety? Why am I feeling anxiety now? What's What might be going on for me? Like, for example, you might be feeling it because... It might be a delayed reaction to something. Like, for example, yeah. you're saying like life is good now. Anxiety is something that could have come up for you now because now you've stopped to breathe. It's like, oh, hey, now we can process that. Maybe your body was hold, like holding you together during the really stressful time. Oh, 100%. So when people lose someone, for instance, like their body goes into this survival mm. mode and they've, you know, they're just on it. And they're like, God, I feel like quite okay. Only when you create that space to breathe again does it like come back up to the surface and say, hey, like, let's feel this. And then they're like, where is this coming from? Like, I was fine. Like, I must be fine. It can often be a delayed reaction. Mm. So being able to ask those questions of like, where is, might this be coming from? Let's take a helicopter view of my life right now and look at all the different things that are going on. Sometimes it's as simple as you've been just smashing a load of espressos every day and you're just stimulating your stress response that, and it doesn't need to be any more stimulated. So taking those away will bring it down. And then, only then when you understand what's going on, why it's happening, then can you address it and be like, right, so you've done the part of work that says, you know, yeah. why am I feeling like this? What what the fuck is going on? Now it's like, right, what the fuck am I going to do about it? That's the address part. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that people don't know where to kind of start. So, you know, when you say if you have your anxiety, it's just like, oh, I've just anxiety today. It's nearly like a trend, like a word that you could put I out think, there. Yeah, people can it with stress. I just, yeah. and you know. Anxiety is persistent. Yeah, but it's actually stopping and you actually have to ask yourself these questions going, why do I feel like this? What's going on today? What have I got in my life? What, what's that activating? What can I do to help myself? Like I always stop. I constantly ask myself questions. I assess myself every single day. But sometimes I feel people, people don't know what questions to ask themselves. Well, it's important to like distinguish between stress and anxiety. Yeah. Because well, how like, would you distinguish that for people? 
I think anxiety by definition is more of a persistent thing mm. that it's where your stress response gets elevated, gets mm. elevated and then it kind of stays up there and then it starts to erode, you know, mm. our, our resilience gets a little bit lowered over time. So for me, it started off as stress and then it kind of grew. So like, for example, at the moment, um, we're in the throes of the terrible twos with my, my two-year-old. <laughs> he just he just turned two and like a switch went on and he was like, I'm going to grow horns and become a demon. <laughs> and the, the, the meltdowns he's having can be really, really mm. stressful for me because it's hard to, like, I have no training in how to, like, regulate myself to help him him regulate. So even though, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's not stressful and we're fine and we're healthy, I can have a moment in the day of very acute stress. And I'm yeah. like, oh, and I'm trying to get him out the door. And, you know, he's screaming. And, of course, seeing your baby upset is, you know, going to elevate your stress response. Mm. That stress, and that will kind of calm down again once the moment has passed or I can, you know, help calm myself down. It's a moment. It's a moment. And yeah. also you can be stressed, you know, when you're working towards a deadline or, you know, you've this pressure on. Anxiety is often present when there isn't necessarily like an identifiable trigger, like where you've, something stressful has happened in your day. Like you've, you know, it's not the same as like if you walk across the road and, and a car comes out of nowhere, that's your stress going mm. whoop and it's protecting you. Anxiety is kind of like when it's always there kind of hanging over you. It's like a long-term thing. But yeah, and the thing about anxiety is it can, it can, stress can turn into anxiety when it's not addressed. So if you keep consistently experiencing stress, like if I, if I have those, melt, if my son has those meltdowns every day and I don't sort of step away then and ask myself, how can I like rebalance here? That might accumulate into anxiety where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of feeling on edge all the time mm. or like I'm anticipating the next time he has a meltdown. So it's good to know the difference, but it's also you know, anxiety doesn't have to happen because of some major thing in your life. It can just be a buildup of stress that your, your body just gets a bit worn out. Mm. So in the brain, what's happening, what I've learned is the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that helps you rationalize it. Yes. And it, it comes on the scene and says, look, we're OK. Like you can, you know, send the troops home. We're fine. <laughs> like there's no risk here. Yeah. Over time, if you keep experiencing stress, you're just wearing that down and it kind of goes offline. So then what's left in charge is the amygdala, which is like, Ugh! threat, uh, threat, threat. And so then you start to feel kind of threatened and, and your yeah. your anxious response turns on in situations that might normally I cause found, anxiety. I found I was like that. It's so funny that when I was like that a few years ago, I've, re you know, I've assessed a lot in my life, especially doing like my coaching course yeah, and stuff. Amazing. But it's like you react constantly like that. You're not responding. You're not going, hold on. What's the space going on? in between. Pause and just give yeah. yourself space where you're so, and it's like your autopilot is dying to come in and just go, mm -hmm. you that's know, how like we that. all live. Yeah. We all live like that. But if you just stop and go, oh, now sometimes I can have moments where I'm like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that or I should have. But that's normal. That's, that's normal. So normal. But then some, the majority of the time I try to go, hmm, hold on. How do I want to approach that situation? How is that going to make me feel if I approach it that way? I'll be happy with that. Okay, we'll go in like that. Well, that's that. an amazing yeah. life skill. That's like what Viktor Frankl said is, you know, the space between stimulus and response is yeah. where you have power. Yeah. And we don't live our lives that way. We go straight from red to green. You know, we don't have an amber light. Um, so I also have a chapter in my book, which is about the amber light and our amber light, I liken to our intuition, yeah. which we kind of have switched off all the time or we don't know how to tap into it. So I have a series of questions that you can kind of ask yourself to bring your, your intuition wow. or your gut instinct on the scene and help you assess what's going on. Exactly. And yeah, I do you know what? I really do need to promote my book more often because there's a lot of good stuff in it. That's really Th helpful. This is good that we're having this chat. <laughs> like, you know, Caroline's giving the plug, like now yeah. swipe up shop here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. No, I love it because you're speaking, you're speaking my language. You're speaking about so much stuff and I have 
the similar experience and I think it'll resonate so much with people you know because I don't think you're alone here especially with COVID as well like even I got a message yesterday I was doing like motivational Mondays on a Monday and someone was like social anxiety especially after COVID and I thought I wouldn't have had social anxiety mm-hmm. but I went to an event I think it was the start of the year maybe around April May when it started and I was literally no joke I was like heavy on the chest and I was like what's going on here this isn't like me but you have to forget that like you know but this is when the self-compassion came in exactly what you said it's putting your hand on your heart going it's okay this of course is you okay. feel that way it's yeah. okay to feel this way where some people it makes sense I think especially coming out of COVID we were taught okay everyone's open let's go and it's like do you realise what we've been through and you expect us just to go back to normal where I was very mindful and to any of the listeners out there as well it's really being kind to yourself and what you can do today to be kinder to feel better about you and you know just like get through the day I think the post-covid anxiety is so under um it's so diminished right because if you think about what's going on when we feel anxiety there's a perceived threat there often isn't actually a threat there covid was a legitimate threat 100%. we conditioned our we were conditioned by you know the um government and everyone and as we should have been to be mindful and, and be on high alert we were conditioned to mm-hmm. believe that if we stepped outside our house we might catch covid so we've probably the guards yeah. be at our door yeah. bashing down and i was like ah, i'm doing something yeah. illegal but we weren't doing no, illegal. but we've primed ourselves through a really long period of time to mm. be on edge and be like, I need to protect myself. Just because you flip a switch and say it's safe again, your brain does not, like like I said with my anxiety, it takes a while to learn yes. again that it's actually safe. So to go into those situations and feel a bit overwhelmed, it's so normal, it's actually boring. Yeah, I know. And like, talk to me then. One thing that I wanted to ask you as well is... You know, like obviously opening up, owning it, the confidence, you know, your 10th roots, etc. Have you ever felt, you know, judgment? What will yes. people think? You know, because I'm like, you're, you're talking about really vulnerable stuff here. What made you want to really step, like walk out with, uh, over that bridge, cross that bridge and be like, Do you know what, fuck this. Like I'm, uh, because like that's something I've really struggled with and but I'm getting so much better because the pod's be in my place yeah. of And the pod feels up. like a safe space. Social and media doesn't feel as safe. No, no, it doesn't. That's why I'm like, I want to own my own truth. I want to open up. I want to be vulnerable. And this has helped me so much, the pod, by doing that. And I'm owning my own truth. I'm not saying on socials, but if you want to listen in, I'm like, go to my pod and listen. I'm not opening up. Do you know, I think that's a really healthy the approach and probably mm. something I could do a bit more of um, because I tend to be quite reactive and I just will go on Instagram and share like there's no oh, yeah. plan or strategy it's just yeah. like this is my thoughts right now and here I am today use your pod girl use yeah. your pod yeah. <laughs> oh my god so many good career lessons I'm coming away with here um, but yeah like I said for me I don't really know how not to share so it's never been it's never been like mm. a conscious decision um, I think I could do with sharing less from just because sometimes when you know if you do get a message that's that's hurtful it will knock me over and and I'll like I don't have a thick skin I'm so porous and open um so I think I often think I'm in a safe space and for the most part like 99% of people are like oh my god I was about to say do the 99 one real that's what I do I so for any you get a message here and there but then you're like 
haters gonna hate and then it's like that's a representation of them being like oh you have to like waste your time and your day to go off and send me something he- like you yeah. know that way but you think there's 99% that are amazing and that 1% so let's say if you were in a room and there was 100 people and one was like I don't like your book that would I understand trigger you but then you're like there's 99 people there who are like you're amazing Yeah. so you kind of have to let that kind of overshadow and I know it can be so hard So hard. but to I do. just try to be like 99 one, 99 and again you just bring yourself back to your values well what act- does this person's opinion matter to me and I say yeah. that again it's so much easier said than I done. know of course but for is. me um, for me with social media like Barry my husband will often remind me like when I share very openly about motherhood and, and yeah. that's such a and your new pod contentious and my new pod stretch marks um, that's a very contentious area because there seems to be these camps of people it's like they're you know so into breastfeeding or so against it or so into co-sleeping so, oh it's the, the, it, the funny thing is and we did this in one of our podcasts we did this um, research with our followers, our listeners. People said that becoming a parent made them more empathetic and less judgmental than ever. But when we did another one, they'd never experienced more judgment than when they became a mother. So there's some, it's weird. Yeah, it's and a I, real I contradiction, isn't it? I did it? not realise the level of judgment that would come at me. And it's the mammary brigade that I heard that when you're a mother, it's a different thing because it's you now and you'd be like, whatever. But I do know you've put yourself in another box now and exactly. it's like Whoom. and the biggest thing is that we we have a society where you can never say anything other than your life is perfection when it comes to your kids and how amazing they are and yes perfectionism doesn't exist no but also <laughs> it's still really hard yeah. and for me I was like I can't cope with being a parent if I can't say Jesus that was a tough day and I that saw had, that the other day yeah. you put something up and it was just her face on her story like you were going to kill some you're like hard day today yeah <laughs> and like some people are like god you're so ungrateful or whatever I'm like no oh, what because up. I know I'm not and like anyone who actually knows me or really regularly engages with me knows how absorbed in love my little boy is and how much of myself I give to him but I am hell-bent on normalizing the things that we need to normalize in society it started off as being anxiety now at the moment it's normalizing you know the experience of a mother and I firmly believe that if we could normalize the fact that it is amazing and also hard I think like the instances of postnatal depression would go down. Yes. I think so much of it is because of this fear and not because of... The stigma around you you can't be not okay exactly. when you're a new mother or you're learning like your boy's only like two but yeah. still you're learning every day. And like I, I got some comments and messages that uh, and again it was on that fucking website Tattle Life which I don't want to even give any attention to but some of the things oh, that yeah. I remember because I was sharing when I was in hospital and now I was intensely vulnerable and probably someone should have taken the phone off me but I was like I just was sharing the reality and it was like, let's hope she never inflicts herself on another child. Her what po- is wrong with people? Like, honestly. And I had just had a baby. Like, And these were mothers commenting. There's something wrong with people like I that. Know. And I'll say that openly. Like, how dare anybody point the finger at another m- mother? Because there's no guidebook or, you know, how do you say guide on yeah. how to be oh, a mother there's no, manual. no there's that, no manual and I think that's just absolutely disgusting for someone was, else to, to, to take time out of their day to bash you on only and there was ha- pages and pages it's of just it. I just think shame on anybody like that's it's just horrible it's yeah I mean it really it really really cut me up and that kind of attitude is precisely why women won't say exactly and they won't ask for help and they won't say I'm having a hard day which is why they end up falling into a mental health trap in their in they fall into a hole they won't ask for help because they feel ashamed that they're finding it difficult and and that's just so unnecessary that 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 anxiety that mental health struggle would not be would not exist if we felt more confident to say Do you know what it's really hard but it's also amazing if we could share and be open so every time it gets a bit difficult for me on social media every time I get a mean message yes it does 
I mean, I have physically like shaken before. I'll have, I'll cry my yeah. eyes out. Um, and I keep bringing it back to, okay, unfortunately, like that's the price of admission for being vulnerable and having an audience like that where I'm going to share. I could share nothing and protect myself. And I know lots of people do and each to their own. And and like, it's not, it's no one's, no one's Is that job. your authentic self then? You know, your values? Like, yeah. or is that something you want to work on but like, then? But I feel like, I mean, I used to feel a bit like, oh, I wish I could see more reality on yeah. social media, but it's not someone doesn't owe me their reality that's they can choose you do you exactly so like if someone is like oh here's a nice picture of me and my kid it's on me to realise that that's just one picture that's not reality they will have all the same normality that I have they don't owe me showing me all the gritty stuff I choose to share the gritty reality not everyone does and that's fine but but I really want from a mental health perspective not only to normalise it for other people because I and now I'm seeing in all the messages I get how helpful that has been yeah. but it's also really helpful for me like it helps me cope better and yeah. in COVID when I had my little man the first few months I mean I felt That must have been really tough It was really like I couldn't have my mom come up from Kerry because oh, of the county ban yeah. and everything um, I I really did feel very like you're never bored but you're often lonely um, yeah. and I really struggled yeah. and I just I just did not from what I saw on social media like and I was told it would be the happiest time of your life just p- pure bliss newborn cuddles I, I found it so the expectation versus reality was so because you were comparing them stark. to someone's yeah. shiny penny and you're like what is going on and here and I if I had just said right go put a full face and make a bond take a picture I would have been creating a level of pressure to for myself that I couldn't live up to and when you when you create that distance this is just how I would feel like yeah. if, if I if I didn't put out my reality and I was putting out a version of myself that was so at odds with how I really felt personally I'm creating this tension I'm denying what is and I'm creating like a form of imposter syndrome and a form of anxiety that I just didn't need so I was like this is me this is my reality here's a photo of me going to buy fucking hemorrhoid cream on our first walk up you know everyone goes for the lovely but I love that I was like I, I'm sorry but this is where I'm at yeah. and everyone's like oh fuck thank god me too apart from a few RSLs obviously who were like she's sap she needs to get over it yeah, I'm just like whatever but it's the reality and I'm all about showing your authentic self because I think people resonate with you a lot more and you're I think te- we need it you're like, telling your truth like come on like I actually see even seen stupid things you know on TikTok I've seen something I don't do TikTok no I'm only new to yeah. like but I do be watching videos yeah. as well but even seeing people it's like oh the reality you know like and it's like this woman and she's gorgeous but then you just see her like plucking her hairs on her chin yeah. and I'm like <laughs> That's the reality. That's the reality. We don't have, like, when you get older, you have all these things. When you have a child, you're going to open up. It's the reality of it all, of just being like, come here. The reality is I'm not having a full face of makeup going for a mammy brunch. The reality is I literally need hemorrhoid cream. I'm in bits here. But like, don't you just feel like we can all just breathe a bit of a sigh of relief if we give ourselves permission to be where we are and like, like yes you have moments really glam moments and yes you can go to an award show and do the red carpet and feel amazing and yeah. you know but that's like a tiny percentage of reality yeah. and I think we're creating you know a, a skewed what I worry about is like maybe younger girls who get this skewed perception from maybe not having the awareness mm. to know that what they see in social media isn't the full picture yeah. and then think oh Jesus my life is so boring or I'm not doing all this I just want there to be enough awareness there yeah. that you know Again, just bringing it back to your values. Yeah. What, what's actually important to you? It's probably not getting that selfie with that perfect lighting. It's yeah. probably being able to go and sleep the night through. Oh, yeah. You know? And that's something I'm definitely stepping into myself as well. It's it's not being perfect. It's not being, you know, shiny penny. Because come here, I love being a bit glam as well. But it's exactly what you're saying. It's, ste- it's stepping into your values. So come here, you'd look at my grid and you'd be like, she's so glam, she's this and that. But now I'm stepping into owning myself, being like, here's my wellness. Here's me doing it. It's not about the likes and the followers. It's about the message I want to put out going, oh, Emma's into sea swimming. There mm-hmm. she is meditating 
partner there she is with no makeup on like I always I probably only wear makeup probably twice a week like I, yeah. I'm always on my stories with no makeup and I don't give a shit because that's the reality of it all absolutely stunning skin oh, oh, thank you <laughs> but like that's the reality of it all it's like I'm not constantly the majority of the week I'm in a sweatshirt with no makeup on you know doing stuff and here I am on my stories I'm not gonna put makeup on my face just to show you that I can look sh- no I also I saw this really funny quote that it was like the best way to be is to like look like shit most of the time so that when you do put on makeup it's like a surprise and people are like whoa <laughs> oh. whereas if you get too used to seeing oh. someone look so glam you're like I'm what oh <laughs> literally and it's so funny you say that because I remember like I had COVID say there like a week or two ago and then I went to an event and everyone was like, you look amazing. Like COVID like done like wonders for you. Your skin. I'm like, Jesus, do I look in bits half the time? <laughs> but that's like, the thing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but um, thanks so much for coming in. I could be here all day talking to you. Like, I don't know how long this is, but like we've Sorry, talked Dad. about so no, we've talked about so much. And I think I've definitely learned a lot from you oh, and me too. little nuggets of information. And I hope the listeners take definitely some amazing points that you said in there to help with motherhood anxiety permission to just let yourself be tapping into your values there's been so much there but thanks so much oh, thank you so it honestly is the most therapeutic thing and thank you for being such a a wonderful welcoming host and, and making me feel like yeah. it's such a safe space as well thank you well that's another episode of empower with emma i hope you loved it and you know caroline is just a ball of energy and i love like the chats we had there's just you know no judgment nothing she could just sit there and just chat I was here for about an hour and I like I said I took so much from it as well also feel free to rate subscribe and follow my podcast I'd be so grateful and see you next week